Welcome back to Kaleidoscope, the artist's mirror. I am excited to have a second evening with Sheila Richmond in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I talked with her about a few things like, was art a passion and a, just an enjoyment in her life? Or was it a business? And what advice she might give to young artists? And things like that. And I was surprised at a few of her answers, pleasantly surprised. And I'm glad you're here to enjoy it with us. We had a few laughs and um, we're excited to share an, a, second, a second evening with artist Sheila Richmond. All right, this is Kathy McClendon and I am back with Sheila Richmond and Lola for our part two of our journey with Sheila Richmond in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I have a few more questions, Sheila. I'm so glad to be with you tonight. And Sheila fed me dinner tonight and I had berries and ice cream and it was amazing. And we are sitting down now to enjoy our conversation. So tonight I'll be asking you, Sheila, a few things about about the business of art and some of the things that artists run into, like the inner critic and the outer critic, and maybe asking you a few questions about the future of art for you. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. I think. Okay. <laughs> so the business of art, uh, your thoughts or exper experience, because I know that you have a studio, I know that you join shows with your art, and I know you sell them. But I haven't, have never really understood or heard about the business of art for you as you went through your journey. Did you have a store? Did you have a gallery? Or did you do it for your pleasure? And so. Well, when I saw that question, I thought, oops, you know, not me, never has been a business for me. Um, and it hasn't. I enjoy it when I, if I enter a show, if something sells, I pleased and I have never considered say I could be an artist I could sell I, it's sort of a happy accident if something sells always has seemed that way um, I, I know a few artists who are excellent business people and who do make a living at art and I know many 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 people who are much more like me um, it, somehow the business part, it, it's just if I can afford to pay for the studio or the supplies, that's great. But I've not given, I've never considered it a business. So I, I'm not the one to answer that. And I'm sure there are people who, who can be helpful in an right. art business. And I'm not that person. Well, and it's not really the question wasn't really if you can help me in the art business but no. I feel like that your experience as you mentioned speaks to the majority of us as artists it's not a business for all of us and some right. of us we just love art and want to share it enjoy it for ourselves and if it sells let's just land you up yeah absolutely and uh, lots of things in life are that way. That's true. Uh, some people make a business of everything, yeah. but I don't know very many of those people. Right. Though I know, I certainly know people whose 
first thought is, well, how, how would that, not about art so much, but about anything. Well, what will it cost? How will it work? And how and will it make me money? How will it make me richer or whatever? And I have never thought quite that way. It just... Well, I really want to come back one day and take some photographs of your art because I feel like the people hearing this, especially young artists, or artists not young, but those that are like, wow, you know, I really didn't turn my art into a business. I didn't sell my art, or maybe I was a failure because of that. And I really don't believe that's true. And your beautiful art that you do is a, a testament to that, that you can enjoy art for just the enjoyment of doing art and sharing it with other people. And at this point in my life, uh, as I'm getting ready to move to some place much smaller, I would happily give away much of what I've done and much of what I've purchased from other people. I, my husband and I bought what we liked, we, we enjoyed it, and I can't take it. Would you like to have it? Is the way I feel that's about fantastic. a whole lot of it, and that's not a business model, I'm right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I would agree, and I think that is is sort of like that's been your um, your treasures, mm -hmm. and now you're going to share them. I think that's a quite a legacy to pass down, just passing down your own treasures of art. So, uh, I think that's amazing. You better not announce that, or you'll have people knocking at your door. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that, I'm glad to hear about that. And I think that encourages all of us to um, remember that art is it's a journey all by itself, whether it's a business or an enjoyment, uh, just a treasure or whatever. It's important to the person doing it. And that those leads that to your next it. question, doesn't it? Well, it might. Well, my next <laughs> question is what is important for artists to know to increase their growth in their art? And what other advice might you have for young artists, or not so young? As I read that, I thought, uh, me, advice, and that sort of thing. But I think the answer that I wrote down, or the note that I wrote to myself, was share, share, share. Oh, wow. <laughs> you talk to others, you, you talk about their art, you talk about your art, you talk about what happened that somehow makes an artistic connection for you, or maybe it doesn't. But I think sharing our lives and sharing our art and sharing our experiences is the way to grow, certainly in your art, but probably in any way you want to grow as a human being. I don't think humans can grow in isolation or I don't think I grow in isolation, let's put it that way for sure. So share, share, share was my answer. I love that. And you, you also share, share, share through your, your involvement in our art associations and with those artists involved in that, and you've led many of them, been president, president of several of them, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I think that that's also a way of sharing. But what you just said about we don't grow in isolation, I just today was reading a, like a six-page article on the habits of mind. It's a concept in a book and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And one of the things it says is we don't truly learn to be um, 
creative, critical thinkers and problem solvers in isolation. We do it best when we're having conversation and collaboration with others. I do think we can do a lot on our own, but in the end, some things are so big. For instance, when I did something at the Art Association that I had no idea what I was doing, you jumped right in and helped with that for me in our conversation. You helped me so much, and I think that was one way you shared yourself, and you didn't even know me from uh, whatever, a frog. <laughs> well, you had taken on a huge job of running a show that you had never run before for a group of people you never knew. <laughs> and uh, you did a marvelous job, but I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine that I could have done it or would have, but I had helped run that same show, so you could, this is stuff you but, can eliminate. But, but, but sharing but is, yeah. is you that's how we all grow, exactly. I think. I, I agree, yeah. and, and that, mm -hmm. was so, that was so powerful to me because you knew what I didn't know, because I'm just like, we always say we don't know what we don't know, and you shared with me, and I think that's just a perfect example of you saying that art and what is important for your growth is to share, 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 and that's important mm -hmm. for everybody. I think so. That's awesome. I love that. I never expected you to say that. <laughs> I even told my granddaughter, I think I know what she's going to say. I'm trying to think what it was. <laughs> but I, but I had, didn't say it, did I? <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say just practice, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's so different than what I thought. But it's so perfect, and it fits you so much once I hear you say that. Well, probably I was never good at practicing. <laughs> so. Well, I must get some pictures to accompany this because I want people to know your beautiful artwork. All right, so my next question is, can you tell me about your art space where you create your paintings at this time in your life? Yeah, through my life I've had a variety of places and very often they were a room at home or a part of a room or something. But now I'm part of an artist's group. There are 13 of us who share varying sizes of space. My space is 11 by 14 feet and jammed with a lot of stuff that's somewhat extraneous, and if you'd like to come over, you can take some. I'll be, um, I'll be over there in a few days. But <laughs> I, I paint flat because my arms don't allow me to be reaching up high, so I paint flat, standy, I stand and paint down at belly height, and that seems to work for me, and uh, that surprises me. I used to paint on an easel like many people. Um, I, I wish it weren't so messy. It's not exactly messy. It's full of unsold paintings is what it is. I don't need a lot of space for what I do. I probably need 48 inches wide to have my palette, my painting, and my box of paints and a couple feet deep, and that's the, um, the space that I need, except that any of us needs to get back from our work. So I need a space four by four, maybe more than that, six by four, and room to back up. So what you're saying so, is if you had the right light, you could paint in a closet. <laughs> you could. Or walk in. <laughs> as long as I could walk back out and still see. I think... A problem that most artists have is that we get 
into our work and we don't get back from it. Oh, true, true. Um, so I'm trying to allow for that stepping back. But um, I'm not very neat and I allow a lot of stuff to pile up around me and I wish I didn't, but that's so. That's so me. speaking of, you said you have a lot of paintings. Do you frame them all or do you leave some unframed? I generally don't frame them unless I'm planning to hang them either in my studio or for a show um, or to give to somebody or to sell. But I don't, I have a great many unframed paintings and that's partly because the cost of framing, if you're not going to realize that cost in selling it, mm -hmm. really adds up. Um, and too, sometimes people like different frames. Than well, that's true. I've done a lot of paintings in the last few years that are 12 by 12, and that is different from most landscape or portrait sizes because you're, you're looking at an, whatever is your focus um, as a single focus in a 12 by 12 painting. There just isn't room to put in a beach and a tower and six kids or whatever. <laughs> uh, so it, uh, I got involved in doing that and interested in it and there's not a lot of variety in how you can frame those particular yeah. ones. Well, the one of the reasons I asked the question about the studio space or where do you do your paintings is because so many times people that aren't um, settled, I will say settled, and have their style and their space and everything like they want it, they're searching for, okay, well, I can't paint unless I have this enormous <laughs> studio like so-and-so and everything's organized and hanging in the right place. Or, But then when you start talking to people or seeing their studios or seeing them on YouTube, you find that some people do actually have a space the size of a closet or they have to go mm -hmm. out into the ironing room or something, you know, in order. But they still get their art done. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and we we sometimes use it as an excuse. Well, I can't do that because I don't have a space for it. But you know, when you really look at people's space, people have excelled in art without a humongous. But it'd be wonderful to have right. humongous studios if you want that, but it's not necessary. I don't think I've ever thought what would be the ideal studio. I've never perhaps considered that I, well, I probably never considered that I deserved this wonderful studio. Um, it's always been, is there, a, is there a room or is there a space or whatever? Mm -hmm. uh, but I've never given thought to the ideal studio with the north-facing windows. And, mm -hmm. or I've never aspired yeah. to that. Um, painting is important to me, but it isn't, it hasn't controlled my choices of where to live or Enjoy. what to buy and that sort of thing. And you do all of your painting at your studio, not at home? Yes, I do it yeah. all. I found earlier times in my life, um, that when I tried to have it, I have sometimes had a studio at home, but when I tried after we moved here to Albuquerque to have a studio at home, it was a room next to my husband's office and I'm much too nosy. I listened to every word he said and I hated a lot of it. You know, and he'd get mad at people and he'd 
<laughs> so I found that I, it, it didn't work for me to be working at home, and it wasn't because I was always going to cook something in the kitchen or whatever. It was because I didn't want to listen to someone else. <laughs> and at least at the studio, you could talk with someone or move away. <laughs> I, I told my, I have a, an adult granddaughter visiting me today, and I told her, I said, I'm going to see my friend, and we're going to do a second interview. And we, I was talking about the eighth decade of life. I said, I've been trying to count. She's in her 80s, and I said eighth decade, and she calls it the ninth decade, and I've been trying to mathematically figure that out. And I said, but it's okay, I'll go. She doesn't mind arguing with me about anything. We can <laughs> argue, and we're still friends, so I'll figure out what she means. <laughs> And I was right, wasn't I? You were. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see why you wouldn't want to work beside someone that you're listening to. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so that's awesome. Uh, so I have um, many questions from, you know, for everybody about the inner critic and the outer critic. Did you ever have a time in your life that the outer critic's about anything in your life, but particularly the art. The outer critics were stronger than the inner critics, or the inner critic is stronger than the outer critic? Because I'm really interested in what you say about this, because I know when people ask you, and I've seen them, I've heard them, and they ask you to kind of critique their art, and you are very bold, kind, but bold in your critiquing, and, uh, and you're very specific. So... To me, I want to kind of know where does that come from in you? Did were you your worst critic yourself, and you fixed things on your own? Did you have people that were, and I'm not talking critiquing; they're criticizing, like you you felt like they were criticizing you because you weren't doing it the way they liked art or whatever. There's so many facets of this; we wouldn't have time to talk about it all. But does anything come to mind when you think about that? Well, I didn't phrase the question quite as you are, so uh, that may cause me to think of it No, you can think of more, it how it uh, came to you. Um, when I think inner critic, I think me, criticizing myself. Um, and I, I certainly do that, not just about, probably not so much about art, more likely about other things. Um, it's certainly not i don't i don't critique my own art consciously out loud whereas if i'm asked to critique something um i very often i do hone in on whatever I, you know i i like the general thing and i think this doesn't improve it or help uh what i believe you're trying to say that's the outer it's an outer critique to them. Um, I don't know that I have the skill to verbalize that kind of critique to myself, and I don't know that many of us do. I mean, once we've put something down and struggled with it and worked it over and over, we may be able to say publicly, I'm still not sure of something, but we we aren't ever going to look at it with the fresh eyes of somebody who's never seen this before and realizes that the background color is intruding on the foreground color and you'll never get get that to go back if it's yellow and it won't come forward if it's blue it just won't you know light doesn't work that way right. 
So um, I think a critique is different than a critic, mm -hmm. as you suggested. And I, I don't think I have an, I have an inner critic who says you're not doing X enough or Y enough, but uh, it's not an art critique. I feel like sometimes, you know, what, until an artist has really kind of established themselves in themselves and feel mm. comfortable with their own style, what, that they're doing what they love doing, I feel like before that time, sometimes when maybe their art doesn't get in the show or their the neighbor says, oh, well, it doesn't look like, you know, this, or, or the person looking at it thinks it ought to be super realistic and it's an abstract or whatever because they're not into art or whatever. I feel like that at that point in their uh, art lives, sometimes they feel like, oh, wow, I must not be doing something right. But once they finally let go of that, Mm -hmm. and start doing what they love and enjoy, whether anybody else likes it or not, then I think that helps silence some of that inner critic that they kind of took it on themselves that because someone didn't like it, then it was, it's not good. Right. Uh, it's a matter of confidence in yourself right. as a self, not so much perhaps as an artist, but as one's self and doing and what? that yeah i hope most people grow to have more confidence in themselves and i don't mean cockiness mm -hmm. just well when i did it it felt right there must be something there right instead of oh my god once again i've gone and followed it up or whatever right I feel like that probably in my own life, um, the times that I've felt the most incompetent is when I thought I'd done something I really love and then someone came along that really liked realistic, that's the only thing they could appreciate and they couldn't even you know, appreciate what I'd done. And then I finally got to the point where it doesn't matter. There are a zillion people in the world and right. some of us like this and some of us like that. I just need to do what I love and enjoy it, you know. Part of that is simply growing up. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly, in, yeah. in all areas of our life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. well, thank you for that. Who is the artist you would most want to sit and have wine or tea with, if possible, and are there any particular questions you would ask them? There are so many artists that oh, good. the first <laughs> thought is, oh, there are so many, you know, I'd want to sit with them all, but that's not true. I decided, as I read that, I would like to sit with Alice Neal. Okay, I think you mentioned her last right. session one. Um, oh, you got some books. Out. I have Great. some books of hers. I don't. I can't s tell you what age I, you know, exactly when she was born and that sort of thing. Oh, that picture that you just were on there with the little chair that reminds Isn't me that, of the one you're doing. Well, it does a little of the one of my yeah, brother. Yeah, the doesn't position it? of the chair. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> um, but she spoke, she said, in 1980, so that places her a little bit. I think she died fairly soon after that. The minute I sat in front of a canvas, I was happy because it was a world and I could do it, do as I liked it in it. Oh. Um, 
<laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> she did many, yeah, and I hadn't read that quote before. I hadn't remembered it anyway. But here's a painting from 1926. So obviously she's a woman of, uh, well, she's died now. But I mean, she when I came to know about her, which was in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, she was already quite a, had been quite a force in New York art particularly. Um, anyway, that's not quite where I was headed with this. She did a lot of portraits. She um, she captured, here's an example, she captured a mannerism of this person that's perhaps a little uncomfortable to look at, and yet you know you, you're not seeing it all. You're just seeing right. an uncomfortable moment. You're, okay. get, you're getting a glimpse of You're her getting life. a glimpse of something. Yeah. Um, the fact that here she's looking pensive and a little unhappy hasn't told you the whole story at all. It's told you a, a moment. moment. In time, yeah. Um, but it's very, very uh, obvious, you know, that you said pensive. That's a great way mm -hmm. to describe her emotion that was pulled out yeah. of that. Are there questions you would ask Alice Neal if you were sitting with her? And would you have wine or tea or coffee? <laughs> um, I don't think I know her well enough, but I suspect it wasn't tea. <laughs> uh, she, I, what I know of her life is that she... She was married, she did have kids, she was not tied domestically in a, a manner that in her lifetime, let's say the, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, might have been conventional. Right. I know that just from having read about her. Right. Um, and I think it probably the initial connection why I would like to talk to her is because I've done a lot of portraits and mm -hmm. she did many portraits. Now was that, did she do all, all painting or? I think, you know, when Back you look at them, many of them don't, many of them look like they could have some watercolor yeah. in them, but I believe they're mostly oil. Mm -hmm. um, oil on canvas, oil on canvas, yeah. yes. Uh, look at that. You and I know that's not <laughs> quite the way people's feet are, but boy, it's how that kid's feet were. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I can see why you like those. I like those too. I've, ne I've mm -hmm. never seen Alice Neal's work, to be honest with you. But she was a New York artist and did not, so far as I know, travel much from being a New York City artist. Mm -hmm. And since some are dated as early as the 20s and a statement there from her in 1980, I think she was best known maybe in the 50s, 60s maybe. I don't know exactly. Um, but she was known in New York, even though I didn't know her. Uh, I wasn't there either. Um, she's one to know about. Mm -hmm. I guess you know, she might not invite me for tea or wine or whatever, mm -hmm. but I wish that I had being active when she was right. and might have had that chance. Right. So, so. Um, 
there's a, I have a book right now, I can't think of her name, but she went out and paid $20 to homeless people to sit for her, and she did these pretty fast watercolors, portraits, mm -hmm. and, and they were so, um, not simplistic, but they were so simple in that she captured just their essence in these few colors sitting there, you know, out on the street doing these hmm. paintings. And I would have loved to talk to her before she yeah, passed away. I, I wonder who that was. I, I, I'll send you. I can't think of her name right now, but I love the book. And it's just, it's just amazing what mm -hmm. she did. And she would wear this sign on her saying, do not disturb artists at work. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have the nerve to do that. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'll have to bring that one day and show it to you. All right, so um, if there's a, I don't know, I think we may have talked about Ken Robinson. He's a great thinker in education and creativity and doesn't think we have enough of it anymore in education. But he passed away this last uh, year or two. And he had a, a book and right before he passed away and the, the premise was Imagine If. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, Imagine if, you know, we could all paint like whatever, you know, anything you want to finish that with. And it really gets you to thinking. And it, I have a friend who also is a person that says imagine if, and she goes out and does that thing that she imagines. She's a true visionary and she carries, out, carries it out. And uh, she believes in unlimited possibilities. And so I have a question that says, how would you finish the phrase imagine if? Now it can relate to art, it can relate to others, it can relate to you or anything you thought of when that phrase was shared with you. And I shared it, I ended it by saying, imagine if every child had a creative education, a, well, a discovery approach to school. Uh, so that's kind of a shorthand. The, same, it's the sort of school I went to where we had discovery in our reading, in our art, in everything. We were able to find out for ourselves what was going on around us because we were provided with the tools to, and the attitude that we could, we would want to and we would, of course, go and figure out something. Right, right. So it was, not imagine if I had another tube of cadmium red, but imagine if every child had that educational possibility. Because kids do spend lots of time in school, and a lot of it doesn't seem to serve them, or we hear that they're not progressing well in school. It doesn't wow. seem to serve them. What would serve them, I think, would be an attitude that let's go figure it out. I feel like that we are beginning to, in some places, in some areas, start trying to get back to Oh, a, I absolutely a, believe it's there. And I believe that any teacher would, almost any teacher would agree. And yet somehow we haven't, we haven't built in enough of the belief into our 
educational system, whether it's local, state, national, we haven't built in enough belief in the learn by doing. And the power of creativity. And the power of... We, we, we beat it out of them before they're yeah. the first grade. And oh, stay within the lines. Yeah, exactly. Who put the lines there? Right. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I may not see it in my lifetime, but I'm seeing a few places here and there that are trying to pull the creativity piece back into the learning part. I, I, I believe, and I believe that, that it can happen, I believe it should happen, I believe, I believe it will happen, because I do have a pretty pos positive belief, there's the word again, in the perfectibility of man, if you will. Perfectibility is not, I mean, that's the word we use to describe the, this journey, um, but in the improvement or the growth. Well, I think at some point we have to, and we're so big on data, we have to look at the data and see that what we're doing is not exactly working for everybody. Some, it works for some. Yeah. It's not working for everybody. And the ones that are having the most struggles, I think, I agree and believe like you do that we learn by being curious, asking questions, exploring, and being creative in our solutions and having conversation with each other right. so we can find two solutions and see which one right. works the best, put them together. And then we truly, truly on the path to critical thinking when we do that sort of thing. Because it's not being poured down our gullet where the, the information is coming out of us as we start sorting out the things that are, uh, we're finding and seeing and exploring. There, I think something you just triggered for me is that, and it's not a quick process. No. It doesn't, I mean, you, you, we might come to a quick answer, and it might be a good answer and a right answer, and fine, move on from there. But in general, the best answer, if you will, is that which we've honed by playing with it as if it were clay, right. um, and building and sculpting, right. and maybe tearing down and building and sculpting again. Those are the answers that bespeak all of us having input. Right, right. Yeah. I kind of, I like that sculpting um, analogy. I sometimes use the garden analogy, but I really like that sculpting analogy because I really feel like you have to plant, you know, seeds, but you have to also spend time and wait and nurture, water and fertilize and mm -hmm. trim and prune, whatever you do to gardens to make them beautiful. And they have to have nutrients and sun and all that. and. And time. And time. And time. Right. You, you can't be a farmer and not be patient. You know, <laughs> I couldn't be a farmer, probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that those are the things that um, we sometimes um, need to consider, the creativity part in education. Because I truly believe that the joy of creating something, whether it be an idea, an object, a play, or you know, a painting, anything, is so fulfilling. And some of our some of our students aren't getting to enjoy that experience. It it isn't valued out loud enough. Exactly. I think that's perhaps 
And the school says, oh, yes, we really, I wish we had an art room. I wish we had more time for art. Maybe if the, the art teacher came every other week. <laughs> no. <laughs> the teacher, who's there, whoever's there, has to incorporate it well, whenever think, it shows up. I think I've shared with you that I'm a part, I'm supporting a school that they're, they're integrating art into their actual curriculum. Right. And I think that's but, the way learning takes place best, you know, because it helps them to process and apply. Yeah, and I wish we didn't even have to think of it in terms of incorporating it into the everyday curriculum. Just there. Yeah. Cause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I could talk about this forever. All right, so my last question, unless you have something you want to add my, to my list, is... I have written it out so I can say it properly. I think it is incredible to watch your art journey, what little I have had the privilege to see. And knowing that you're in the ninth decade of your life, I switched it from eighth. And I did too. <laughs> ninth decade of your life and going strong. No, sorry. Ninth decade of your life and going strong. I have to wonder what is next on your creative journey. I doubt that I know, um, but I have a lot of faith that there'll be something, or it, it may not be. I, I will be moving. I will be creating some sort of studio where I go, perhaps in a space with other people. Well, that's likely true, but I don't know um, that it means I'll I'll always be painting. I just, I don't know. Um, I, I suspect I will, but I think this move is going to get in the way for a while. Oh, yeah. I, all yeah. moves get in the way, yeah. don't they? Do uh, you ever see um, yourself, like if you had a community of uh, friends or whatever that don't paint, do you ever see yourself being involved in helping them learn some basics of that, or is that not your cup of tea? I don't think of myself as teaching oil painting, or, and I've never done watercolor, so we'd have to skip that one. <laughs> I do have worked in pastels and oils, mostly, almost entirely. Um, I do have somebody who, for... 15 more the more years has been coming to my studio when she can it's sometimes once a week sometimes once a month um, I think she thinks I'm teaching her yeah uh, so I can imagine working alongside with alongside somebody and responding to requests or sometimes just stepping in and saying I think you you're working so hard on that that it's no fun anymore, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's good advice. <laughs> um, but I, I don't imagine being an art teacher, although I have been uh, for elementary students. Uh, I don't know. I, th I think, as I said, because I'm facing a major move, um, the art will have to happen when it happens, but I right. don't. I'm not determined that there must be a 
spot set aside or right. whatever. I'm fairly sure that will happen. Yeah, just that, yeah. I feel like, Sheila, from hearing you tonight, I feel like that some of the art on your next journey and as you move truly is an art of sharing. Like you've talked about, you sharing your art, you know, come and take something you love and, you know, and let's talk about it. Let's share our thoughts, mm -hmm. our experiences, our ideas, our, you know, people that we've been inspired by. I think that is an art in and of itself. And I've been part of as many as four book groups at a time. Right now I'm only involved with, well, I suppose really three, but um, I think that's a place where sh I share and others share. Um, I mean, we're talking about a specific book or a specific author, but it is a manner of learning about other what other people think and how they think and sharing what you think. Right. Uh, and uh, partly as we choose books, maybe one person will suggest something, maybe three people will suggest mm -hmm. something, maybe nobody suggest something or I suggest something and everybody hated it. Right. <laughs> was... yeah, then we're back to collaboration, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. share, share, share. Share, share, share. Written right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's sort of, you mentioned books and I was thinking, it made me think of, I don't think of art as just being visual art. I think of, I have a friend that she's an amazing cook. I think of that as her art, you know, and mm -hmm. I do feel like that writers and readers and those that study writing or, you know, study books in the book study, I think that's a form of art by itself because you really have to look at a book more than just its cover in order to talk about it. Right. One book that we read recent, fairly recently, I had to read a third time. Now that's partly because as I'm getting older I don't retain things the way I used to. But it wasn't until I read it three times that I really got it. Oh, yeah. And it was not that, I would not say it was that difficult a book, but um, it was sort of a science fiction that I normally don't read, so I kind of had to get over that, this is a science fiction <laughs> kind of thing, yeah. uh, before finally what came to me in the end was how much um, the word I want. Underlying morality there was uh -huh. that I missed uh -huh. in. I think, you know, the author put it there, but I was so intent on the fact that it was fictional, science fictional, that I didn't pick up on the more morality tales <laughs> until I'd finally read, read enough of the other out of myself, I guess. I've read some books or listened to them on a, you know, a program mm -hmm. four or five times, and I hear something different right. every time I yeah. listen, if it's a book I like. If it's not one I like, I'll ignore it and quit it. But it's, there's so much in some books. That's the kind I mm -hmm. like, where there's so, so much information or underlying information right. that you really have to think about it. And right. I think that 
That in itself is an art. And the I art love, yeah, if in a book group someone else comes up with a whole lot of stuff that I hadn't seen, I'm always fascinated. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad yeah. that you have that. And um, I'm impressed. I just have to say this because I'm so impressed that you had this huge house full of people for dinner the other night. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have to do it all. Oh, well, so, I think so. that's incredible. And I love visiting with you, Sheila, and this will con conclude. Did you have anything else you had added Not, to your notes? No, thank you. Well, no. this has been lovely to visit with you again tonight, and I look forward to maybe taking some pictures of your art. You're and figuring welcome out a to way here to, or the studio, you know. Yeah. There's not a lot here that, well... And Not when, a lot that I've done here. But. When I come to do that, I would like to take your photograph so that I can have it with uh, the... Oh, I have uh, to have a facial. Oh, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. You can wear a mask. You want to cares. <laughs> thank you. If, you. if that's something that you want to do for this, I'm quite willing. Oh, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I took some pictures of some uh, colleagues, educator colleagues, and they're like, oh, no, don't take a picture. I said, well, let me tell you. What. They said, why are you doing that? I said, because I want to do some art related to educators in action and they were all oh okay oh, and they sure. were like stood up real yeah. proud <laughs> yeah. so yeah so i think that'll be a lovely addition to our recording and well, so thank you thank you so much it's june uh it's june <laughs> it's we've been here a while but it's not june yet <laughs> it's not even january really <laughs> Not quite eight. <laughs> no, that's right. It's December the 19th, Two. 2022, Two. and we have had a, I have had a lovely time. I have hope I've had enjoyed an it, and Lola time. has been wonderfully behaved well, tonight. She does that. She's, <laughs> well, she's not in the crate, which is unusual. She often puts herself to bed, Then I take her out. She there. probably ate my plastic bag and went sound asleep. <laughs> well, she might have chewed it up, but she didn't eat it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It's been wonderful. Thank you well, thank so you. much. And I thank appreciate you. the time and look forward to right, more conversations. Good. This has been so much fun. Two evenings with Sheila Richmond in Albuquerque. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I hope that you did too. And I will be uh, talking with many, many artists of different kinds, not just visual art, not just painting, not just sculpture, not just uh, things that you normally think of as art, but people who have found their passion in different types of art, for instance, dancing and writing and speaking. So join me again for Kaleidoscope, The Artist's Mirror. I am excited for the new year. Many good wishes for your holidays and happy new year in 2023. Thanks for joining me. This is Kathy McClendon with Kaleidoscope.